Well, welcome, friends, to this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder. I'm Pam Marvin. And I'm Megan Silas. And today we're very excited to start talking to you. I don't know if excited is the word to talk about the Um, desert. Motivated? Motivated, yes. You know, I want to say it's like embracing the desert is part of it, too. That is a good way to think about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, so we're in Lent. You know, we've been we've been on this path of Lent for a little bit now. And, you know, this is about the time generally in Lent where, um, it, you know, folks maybe are maybe started off with, you know, motivation. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to tackle, you know, some of these commitments and everything. And actually, to be perfectly honest, I think some people entered this Lent already really tired already feeling like they <laughs> had me. been traveling in the desert of, you know, confusion and fear and uh, annoyance and oh, all sorts of things. I'm a really good case study for this because <laughs> I had been you know, really um, committed personally to prayer and fasting for our country back from October, mm-hmm. um, just because everything was so contentious anyway, just as a person of God, wanted to pray and fast. So I've been praying and fasting since October, and here we come around on February 17th, and I'm like, my father in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have any this more in the tank. Say, yeah. well, no, but it was like, this is nothing different for me. Okay. So I need uh-huh. to do something different for you, Lord. And I'm not saying that I've done anything particularly well. Um, but the only thing I really got out of him that he said, and this is silly for a person that does podcast and radio, but I was like, he's like, you know, listen more and speak less. And I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah, I could do that. Well, don't, don't do that today. Not today. You, okay. you can speak as much as you want today, <laughs> but we do tend to get, you know, caught up with the idea of, okay, what am I doing for Lent as far as, you know, abstinences or taking on spiritual practices and things like that, which is all good. It's very good. But the purpose of those things is really important to take a look at. And that's really what we're going to talk about today. This idea of going into the desert. I mean, we have right. these beautiful example of Christ, you know, in his 40 days in the desert prior to um, starting his ministry. So our last podcast, we talked about spiritual preparation as something that we really, really need to consider. Like, what are we doing to prepare for the things that God will call us to as Christians? And so this idea of going into the desert can be looked at in a number of different ways. But as we relate to Christ going into the desert, which is very much what this, uh, you know, 40 days of Lent is, is supposed to be mirroring. Mm-hmm. It was for him a preparation to begin ministry. Yes. And so to ask ourselves, okay, what are we preparing for in this Lenten period that is a desert period? And how do we go into that desert in a way that's going to be fruitful for preparation? Right. And, and I want to make the distinction here, Megan, that you and I talked about is that we are going into, this is the choice to go into the desert. And we will also talk about when we are in that desert of desolation that Christ has allowed for us, which is a little different than Mm -hmm. our choosing this time of purification. Like why, you know, why did the church and its wisdom decided we need, we needed these 40 days. Obviously it was an imitation of Christ in his 40 days to prepare for his ministry. But it is, I think, you know, a very good self-reflective, you know, we're quieting all of the noise in our lives, whether it's, you know, just uh, activity or, you know, gluttony or anything like mm-hmm. that to try and like just strip.
strip those away. We're we're looking at detachment. What ways do we need to detach to be able to hear God more clearly? Mm-hmm. I think perhaps a powerful question that one could ask regarding, well, what should my desert look like? Like, what is that reality going to look like that's going to allow me to go more deeply into my relationship with the Lord, with becoming more in connection with him. The question that one could ask is what are the things that I say would, if they went away, I would be closer to the Lord. Like if only I didn't have to do this, or if only this weren't part of my life, then, you know, I could be closer to the Lord. Okay. Well, Take a look at those things. Can you remove them from your life? Like they may not be for, you know, for example, if you say, okay, well, if only, you know, I didn't have so many responsibilities at home, I would have more time for prayer and I could be closer to the Lord. Hmm. Okay. Well, obviously you can't shirk every responsibility you have at home, but what you can do is look at your life and the things that you are doing and ask yourself, are those things really essential? Are they a hundred percent necessary that I do those things? Like some things are necessary, right? You do have to feed your family, right? But how do you feed your family? Are you getting involved in like elaborate cooking and using a lot of dishes and, you know, such that cleanup takes forever and all these sort of things? Maybe part of your desert place could be scale it back. Have simpler meals. Yes. Have, you know, buy some things that are maybe pre-prepared and use paper plates. And and if you're starting to feeling thinking like, oh, well, that's just lazy or whatever. No, you have identified that this area in your life is taking up so much time that it's, you know, keeping you from going closer to Christ. So challenge it because the reality is maybe it's not that. Right. Maybe what you'll find when you actually strip those things away and make things simpler and give yourself more time that at the core of why you aren't drawing closer to Christ has more to do with you and your spiritual disposition than it does with the things external to you. Always, which personal (laughs) sin as well. That's almost the definition is it separates us from God. Right. Mm -hmm. So we need to examine those interpersonal things, too, that make us put up our walls to God. Um, You know, that flexibility that we need to always have to divine providence, what's coming along. Um, Just being very aware of that, too. and Personal sin. Yeah. Because this idea of the desert, I think often we get into this mindset that Lent is supposed to be a period of kind of self-imposed suffering in a way that we're supposed to strip ourselves of things in order to make it hard. Right. Mm, Right. But if it's Mm. not drawing you closer to Christ, is it really accomplishing what he hopes for you during a time where you're going more deep in your, you know, you're supposed to be going more deep into your, you know, spiritual life. Well, Megan, the word that comes to mind here, very important for our desert time is detachment. Mm -hmm. What are those things we need to detach from? But why do we need to detach from that? Because they're distracting us from God. Exactly. Right. 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 So that kind of contemplation is why we go to the desert. Mm -hmm. What do we need to detach from? 
to to draw closer to God. Right. And, you know, this show is we try to be very oriented towards relationships and how relationships impact um, the way we see God and the way we draw close to God. And this this concept of detachment can be very complicated as it relates to people. As so often we focus on detachment from material things, things like, you know, food or being on the internet or these sort of things that are um, part of our life that we know um, give us pleasure or take up our time or whatever that, that are distractions that we, we have a sense of maybe I should detach from those things. But looking at our relationships in life and asking, okay, you know, are there ways that um, I am using my relationships, the people in my life, in such a way that it distracts me from God, that, that I'm trying to fill from other people things that I should be allowing God to fill in my life? And that's a really interesting place of coming to see a desert because we often think of the desert as a place of social isolation when we think about Christ going into the desert or John the Baptist being in the desert or, you know, some of these desert fathers who were hermits. Well, what were they doing in separating themselves from their um, human relationships for a time? They were focusing their entire um, emotional relational energy onto the Lord. Exactly. So that might also be an area of one where one might think, okay, are there some areas in my relationships where I need to step back a little bit and be a little more detached, a little less engaged? Like for example, if you find that you're the type of person who really struggles with uh, gossip, that you just, you know, you enjoy, you just enjoy getting together with some folks and just going at it and hearing what's going on with everybody's lives. And, you know, you just, you find it so compelling and interesting and it may not be negative things, right? It may, it may be, you know, just being in the know. Well, maybe part of the desert for somebody like that is to step back and say, you know what, I'm going to separate myself from that kind of social interaction that isn't really drawing me closer to the Lord, but it is fulfilling something within me that maybe he could fulfill more deeply, more beautifully, more fruitfully. Exactly. Well, I think it warrants here too, Megan, to talk about a rightly ordered life, right? Mm -hmm. Well, or just say a spiritual life. That's a little easier. (laughs) Everything. So we live in such a disordered world and and our uh, Satan is the designer of chaos and our Lord is that of created order, right? So I think going back to some real simple basics, it always has helped to realign me personally, and Lent is the perfect time to do that, is look at our priorities. And the one way that you can really see what your priority is, is where are you spending most of your time? Mm -hmm. And then to go and say, Lord, what is the right order of things? Well, God and husband or spouse Mm -hmm. and family and occupation, right? Well, I put friends before occupation. 
Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> I, I put those in the family. <laughs> family yeah, yeah. and friends are right. just, that's the same. They are my mm-hmm. family. Um, my loved ones, I guess you'd right. say. Right, loved ones. Yes. I like that. I love the that. The loved way, yeah. ones. And so I think um, w- we should go to that spot of our desert of contemplation, looking at the right order of things and saying, asking ourselves, am I putting my Lord above everything else? And there was a time in my life, and I'll confess this to, to everybody that's listening, um, that I became very involved in the church and ministries because in my mind that was putting God first when my family really suffered. So it was getting a little more disordered on that. Um, so that I caution people and women of doing that as well because I was doing so much out of the home and neglecting the home. Uh, so I really caution the younger women. That was absolutely me in my 30s and early 40s that I was getting that kind of out of order. So God first and spouse second, um, loved ones third, including close friends and, and your family members, and then occupation after that. Yes. And I do find that when you do start stripping away some things and particularly things that you tend to gravitate towards to um, fulfill needs within yourself. When you start stripping them away, what you'll find is that um, things will start being revealed to you about why you were seeking them in the first place, like what it was that you were trying to receive from those things. And you'll start to the Lord, I think really does this work when you in obedience and in, um, a sense of, um, motivation to draw closer to him are willing to make sacrifices are willing to say, you know what, I'm going to give up some things that I really, uh, get fulfillment out of that. I find that I give me pleasure that, you know, I, things that you even have a sense of, I feel I need If you start being willing to say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to go out um, as an act of trust and faith and be willing to let go of some of these things, he will show up to help you see why it was you were clinging to them. Because often it has less to do with the things themselves or the people themselves than with the areas of your life where you still have um, maybe some wounds that haven't been healed. And so you are trying to kind of put band-aids on them with other things. He'll reveal these things to you so that he can come in and, and help bring greater healing so that your sense of you'll be freer of this idea that I need this, I need that person or I need and be like, no, okay. I need God. I love those, that person, or I enjoy that thing, but I don't need it because he is enough. And that's the ultimate place of, you know, spiritual perfection to be completely abandoned and detached from everything and in a sense of need, but be able to truly and deeply appreciate it and enjoy it because you don't need it, but you love it as a gift from God. I mean, this is you know very much St. John of the Cross. Ta- yes, the, the, he talks him. about the nada, which means oh, nothing. Nada. The nada <laughs> in, in, in Spanish, this, this idea of like 
the nothing, to be attached to nothing except God, it not it is not a repudiation of the, of the the people or the things. It actually allows you to love more authentically, more purely, True. to enjoy more fully the yes. goodness of the gifts of God when you don't grasp and cling at them and feel like you can't live without them. Exactly. So for me, really, the desert does become a place of learning, a place to learn about the areas where I am have heard the lies of the enemy that has mm-hmm. said to me, you need that. You can't live without that. Your life won't be fulfilling or you're, you'll be suffering or whatever if you don't have that. And isn't that really what happened to Christ in the desert? The, the enemy came and spoke to him and told him, you know, you, you, if you just do this, then you'll be fulfilled and whatever. And Lord's like, no, I don't need that. I don't need you. Um, but unless we kind of start stripping those things away, we won't find those places where we're clinging. Right. So this desert is a means of coming to more personal knowledge and self awareness. Mm -hmm. I think that during Lent, that is what we are called to some people have very limited amounts of self-awareness. Um, hopefully, if you're on the journey, you're very honest with yourself to be more self-aware. That's when close friends walking shoulder to shoulder with people who know you well and can call you out when you are m- maybe unaware of a place you need to detach from. Um, I think one of my friends called me out. I'm like, do you? just might think that you spend a lot of time outside the home because you just don't like cleaning the house. <laughs> I'm like, <"Ugh."> <laughs> <laughs> maybe, right? So simple things like that, because God does want to keep everything really simple, but that self-awareness and, you know, one of the things you were talking about, Megan, was that when that craving, that need um, is that it, there's an inner um, like compulsion. It's like twisty. And, and I always tell I've told my children, when you feel that way about something, that is a trigger to go into more self-reflection because oftentimes that is disordered and not of God. It's more um from our selfishness or from the evil mm-hmm. one. Yeah. I think that's a, actually probably a good sort of um, litmus test for, you know, is this something maybe I should consider uh making part of my desert experience? If you, if the concept of giving something up makes you feel anxious, makes you feel um like you want to pull away, like you don't even want to think about that. Oh no, not that. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> if if you think that, yeah. then that probably is a good indicator. That's probably something that you should consider giving up. And if it if it the fear of it of being separated from whatever that is, be it a relationship or uh, you know something more material. If the fear is so great that you really can't give it up, you you may not be in a place that you're ready. You may be so deeply attached to something um, that it could potentially not even be safe for you to try to detach completely from it. But you do need to start the process of asking the Lord to help you get to a place. Yes. This is the phrase I use. Lord, not without your grace. 
Like there's times where I feel too weak to accomplish something. I know Mm -hmm. on my own, I'll not be able to do it. So I cry out to my Lord and my guardian angel too, to not without your grace, Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the reality is, you know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Christ has set us free for freedom. So if we're feeling bound by things, if we're feeling so dependent on Mm -hmm. things, we've become slaves to things that are not God, you know, and he doesn't want us to be slaves. We have been set free to not become slaves again. Christ says, you know, you have been set free. Do not undergo again the yoke of slavery. So if we're noticing places in our lives where we're enslaved to be grateful for what our Lord did for us on the cross, we need to show our gratitude by trying to find freedom from those things that he doesn't want us to be enslaved to. Right. Freedom is such a beautiful word there. I just like to really contemplate where in your life, our dear listener, do you not feel free or a freedom in Christ and contemplate that. That's another point to contemplate while you're in your personal desert of self-reflection. Where are you bound? Another way to say that is like, what is causing confusion in your life? Because chances are very good that confusion is not of the Lord because he is the God of order. So play, those are just some practical ways to do self-reflection. Where do you feel in knots, like you were kind of saying? Mm-hmm. And where do you feel confusion, fear? Those are all triggers to say, hey, let's invite God into that because God doesn't want those things, right? Right, for sure. And, you know, we often think of the desert you know, when we contemplate it as being someplace that that's hard and harsh and we don't want to go there. And that's understandable because the reality is when you are facing things that you are, you know, very attached to, you know, or you're facing areas of woundedness in your life, it's going to be difficult. It will require some suffering likely in order to face those things and to come to freedom in them. But if you understand the desert, it's not just a place, it's a journey. I mean, that sounds so cliche, cliche, (laughs) right? It does. I mean, painfully cliche, but the reality is it's true because when you're, you enter into it for a purpose of coming into a greater freedom, right? And, a greater spiritual unity with the Lord and which then becomes this reality that even if, for example, there are difficult circumstances that like kind of thrust you into the desert, you can still have those circumstances. But when you start letting go and start letting the Lord in, even if those circumstances don't change, you experience them differently In your newfound freedom. Right. And and here's another way to look at that freedom and as a kind of, again, a litmus test of freedom. And that is your peace of heart. Um, We need to understand that we can have peace of heart in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of our suffering. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so much suffering in this world, especially these days. 
But if you have a peace of heart that comes from the peace of knowing the Prince of Peace, right? Mm. Even though there's sorrow surrounded, I think that's a really good testament of growth. Um, if you can maintain that peace amongst the, amidst the sorrow. Absolutely. And I do think we've been, you know, kind of talking about going into the desert as a choice because this is Lent and we, we, you know, tend to think of this as a period in order to do that, that the church, you know, prompts us to do that, encourages us to do that. But, you know, there are, I'm sure people who are thinking themselves, well, I didn't choose the desert that I'm in now. You know, I, these circumstances were outside of my control. It just happened to me. Um, so, you know, that's all well and good to choose it, but what if you're, you know, like I said, thrust into it. And I think while to go into it by a free will choice is, is a certain reality that has fruit to be thrust into it, you still have the opportunity to make a choice about how you're once now that you're there, even though it wasn't your will to be there necessarily, what are you going to do once you're there? Right, Megan. And so what we talked about as we were planning for this episode is, is being able to distinguish just uh, the choice of being in a desert from those times of desolation. Right. Mm -hmm. So we want to talk about how God does allow times of desolation, which sometimes one of my spiritual guides once said, you know, when you're down to nothing, God is up to something (laughs) was a way to describe times of desolation. Another way I love to look at a time of desolation. Now this is when you're feeling dry, you can't pray. I mean, you're really feeling desolate is I like to imagine it as God's divine anesthesia in which he is performing his work in you his divine surgery, so to speak. Right. And the reality is, is that the reason that we do anesthesia in medicine is because you couldn't endure the pain of the procedure without it. Exactly. And so if God allows an anesthesia in our lives where we're not feeling his presence, where we're, you know, or whatever, like you said, he may be doing work that potentially would be too painful for you to fully yes. experience it. In that time. So he's giving you the grace of Mm. the anesthesia in the moment. Right. But what we can do in those circumstances, instead of focusing on the feelings of desolation, loneliness, fear that he's not there, we can make an act of trust and say, Lord, I can't feel you. I don't have any idea what you're up to in this, but I trust in your goodness. I trust in your love for me and I will submit to this experience by my free will choice because I know you and I know you are good. That's such a great way to put it. And and one of the things that uh, St. Ignatius of, of Loyola has said, I've learned this through the, the doctor, excuse me, Father Timothy Gallagher's um, writings, mm-hmm. is that during these times of desolation, that God is doing more in our souls then. And so take that, that note, I mean, that saying and say, okay, when you realize and you come to consciousness that you are in a time of desolation, <gasps> there's a breath of hope. God 
God is here. God is closer to me now than he is when I'm times of consolation. And it's that little burst of hope and goodness that can get you through that time of desolation. If you can always recall that to the front of your your mm-hmm. brain to say, okay, I'm in desolation. <gasps> God is here and he's working in a bigger way, says the saint, Ignatius of Loyola. And another thing St. Ignatius says is that when you are in this time of desolation, don't make any big decisions. Yes. <laughs> and I think that is really important. Like... <laughs> Because when we're in these desert periods, whether they're whether we've chosen to walk into it at the beginning or we were thrust into it, once we're deep into it, it's going to get hard. It's going to be there's going to be suffering, even if you're choosing it, even if your will says, I, Lord, I trust you. I, you know, I, I allow this in my life fully because I know that you can bring good out of it. It doesn't mean that it won't be really, really, really hard. And I just also heard a talk, um, on a, a great YouTube site called Sensum Fidelium, where the, a lot of really great priests give awesome talks and homilies, but he was talking about how the under, the historical understanding of the desert was that the, that was the place where demons were very prevalent because in, in the sort of mindset of the ancient people, demons were afraid of water, which I think is awesome, you know, as we think about baptism and everything, sure, but, yeah, yeah. but like, so they were afraid of water. So, so the demons would Holy kind of water. dwell in the mm-hmm. desert places. Mm-hmm. Right. So the reality is, is that when you do go into a desert place and you're, you're experiencing desolations and, and struggles, that is also when the enemy is going to want to come at you just as it, just as the enemy did to Jesus. And so when we are experiencing that, difficult, you know, feelings of maybe isolation from the experience in the presence of the Lord, feelings of deprivation from the things that have given us comfort or pleasure. And then the enemy is getting in there. Like that's a really like dramatic period of time. And so we need to be very prudent in those times to not start making decisions yes, of course. that that are going to impact um, how we live our lives and things and just have the patience to be present to what's happening and, you know, uh, let God do the work, like just Mm -hmm. surrender to him and say, Lord, I trust that you have got this. Right. And to, to try and kind of recap um, the main points from this podcast, you know, we're talking about into the desert. That's what we're talking about. And we go by choice to become more self-aware, but then there's also that time of desolation that God allows for us for him to do his work. So there's those two types, all of both of which is a surrender to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's no guarantee that the first one, you can't start out with the first one that you choose and then you're in there and you feel like, wait, wait I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> this is way harder than I thought it was going to be. be. But, be. you know, endure, stay the course, trust that the Lord is working in it. And he is pleased with your desire to draw closer to him, mm-hmm. to go deeper into relationship yes. with him and to become more fully your all in all. Mm to become what he has made and created in his mm-hmm. image and likeness. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I think it's a great place to end today. Yeah. It's hot in the desert. And yeah. that sometimes we need that furnace. Purification, man. That furnace of purification. That's exactly. Right. Well, Megan, I really want to thank you for walking with us shoulder to shoulder. So until next time, God bless. God bless.